Well, it, I might have to stand further back today. I'm hot this morning. That, well, I, I wasn't. Thank you, my dear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it really is great to be uh, worshiping with everybody today and having you spend part of your weekend with us. Um, there is something I wanted to share before we get into the uh, main part of our message today. Oh, I totally spaced and forgot. I'll talk about how hot I am. So our fourth and fifth grade Kickstart kids, you guys are dismissed. You guys go ahead out the back. I, is there a handheld mic I can use? Because I am, this ringing is going to drive me insane this morning. So they're working on it in the back. That's all right. But I, I, before we get into our message today, I have something uh, exciting that I wanted to share with, with everybody this morning. And uh, in, in several different places in Scripture, the Bible gives us a list of the qualifications for an elder within, within the church. And, and an elder, you know, in the church context, an elder is, is an overseer. An elder, you know, they, they help watch out for the, the spiritual health of the church body, they pray for the sick. They pray for the church at large. They provide oversight and accountability for, for myself, for the staff, for the, the church as a whole. Provide wisdom and discernment for just the, the direction of where we move together as, as a church. And, and really, ultimately, they provide just an example for, for the church body of, uh, uh, in matters of life and spiritual maturity. And, and in, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a, there's a, a long list of qualifications for an elder, I'm not going to list all of them out, but but uh, Paul writes in First Timothy three, te- they need to be temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, have a good reputation with outsiders. And in Titus one, there's a similar list: being not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not pursuing dishonest gain. That they need to be upright, disciplined, hold firm to the message of the gospel, so that they can encourage others with sound doctrine. It, it's quite a list. And, and obviously, God does not require perfection uh, or, or has no expectation of, of perfection of those that, that serve in the office of, of eldership. But this is a list of, of what we as, uh, aspire to be, a, a list of qualifications of who we are. And, and I'm extremely thankful for the, the, those who serve in eldership here at Livingstone's Church the heart that they have for our church family, for our community. And, and one of the things that's always exciting is when we have the opportunity to add a new elder here at, at the church. And a little over two years ago, um, the elders and I, we invited Paul Wilkin, if you can actually put um, Paul's picture up on the screen. We, we invited Paul to kind of join us on, on a journey of, of, uh, to discern whether or not we should invite Paul to serve as an elder here at, at Livingstone's. He's been a part of our, our meetings, our conversations as we discerned our, how was the best way to move forward uh, through COVID, reopening up, just how, do we, how, just how do we move forward as a church body together. And, and during this time, we've gotten to see Paul's character. He's gotten to see ours as well. And, and through all this, we've just been unanimous in believing that he would be a tremendous fit to serve as an elder here at, at Livingstones. If you don't know Paul, he really is a, a great man. He's been a part of our church for over 20 years now, um, he, he just has just such a heart for for this church, for our, our people. He possesses just wisdom and patience, discernment, maturity that, that are hard to match. And so as we prayed for the Lord's leading, we would like to officially install Paul as an elder on July 31st. 
so just a couple weeks from, from today. Now, obviously, I'm saying all that. We, we believe this to be the next step for us as, as a church body, but we also recognize that we don't know everything either. And so I, I'm inviting you and your feedback into this as well. Like, if you know of any reason that Paul should not serve as an elder, if you know him to, to not exhibit some of those qualifications of an elder that we talked about, I ask you to speak to me or, or one of our current elders to share your concerns with us. Um, and after service today would be a great time because Paul and his wife Sarah are not here today. Um, they're, they're actually on vacation celebrating their anniversary. So we can talk about Paul behind his back um, while he's not here. He, he knew I was going to say that. So, um, But we really are excited for this next chapter in in what God has uh, in store for us. And so, again, if you if you know of any reason Paul should not serve as an elder, I, I invite your input, I invite your feedback and your thoughts on that. But barring any disqualifying information we receive, we're going to install Paul at our next lunch on the lawn service on July 31st. And we're really excited of, about that. Just to add him, he's going to be an, an amazing addition to our leadership team here at the church. And I'm excited just about what God has is up to and what God has in store for us as well. So, so just be praying for, for Paul and for Sarah and just for our entire leadership team. We're thankful for each and every one of you. So um, the, as we get into our message today, last week we closed out our series on the book of Galatians. And, and it really was uh, an enjoyable series. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, going through and walking through Paul's letter to the Galatian churches. And, and I, one of the things I really appreciate is Paul's pastoral voice that he shares, that, that, is, that is prevalent throughout that entire book, that he shares with the, the churches that he helped establish, that he helped plant and begin, that he, he wanted them to be healthy, not just, not just doctrinally sound, he wanted them to be a healthy church. And, and Paul recognized where they were. He, he recognized what was going on in, in their midst. He recognized, you know, what were the things that they needed in this moment. And he provided... A, a prescription in a way for how they could be the church that God had called them to be. We, we've talked about that over the last number of weeks. And, and there's a passage in Proverbs that I've held on to it as, as your pastor, but, but I think it's, it's vital for anybody that serves in, as, an, as an elder, as a staff member, anybody who's in leadership in any capacity whatsoever. And in Proverbs 27, 23, the author writes, Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Now, throughout Scripture, the metaphor that, that God uses to describe the church is that of a sheep and a, and a shepherd. Now, ultimately, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the, the shepherd that oversees the entire church. I, I serve as, as an under-shepherd beneath Christ. And, and so in our time together here today, it's going to be a little bit different than, than what a normal message, what a normal one of our Sunday services are like, because what I want to do is I want to share my heart with you just kind of concerning where we are as a church, what, what we as, as a leadership team kind of discern and feel the needs of our church are right now, and, and in some ways offering a prescription for how we move forward together as a church body. The, the, this message today has come from a lot of time praying with and for each of you, conversations that we've had with, with many of you, and, and a lot of time and discussion and conversations we've had as a leadership team as well. And so I just pray that our hearts are just going to be open to hear God's heart this morning for what he has for us moving forward into this next season. And, and so you, you may or may not be aware of this, but in, in the Bible, the word that, that is used, the word church, 
is never used to talk about a building. It's, it's never used to talk about a physical space at all. The, the word that we translate church from the Bible is the Greek word ekklesia. And if you can actually put that up on the screen. And, and ekklesia really, all it means is a called out assembly or a congregation in a way. It has nothing to do with a, with a location. It has nothing, the word church has nothing to do with a location or a physical space. Ecclesia is God's church. It, it's, it's a people. It, it's a movement. It's not a facility. It's not a, a place. And there, there's an article that I read uh, a little while ago in Relevant Magazine by the author's name is John Pav- Pavlovitz. And, I, and he, he shares something just that, that, that he can state way better than I ever could. And so I want to read to you a portion from his article. It's a little bit long, but I want you to bear with me in this. And, and he's talking about this idea of ecclesia, uh, of the church, of the congregation, not the building, but the movement, the people that makes up the church. And he says, Jesus teaches kingdom, not building. The gospel biographies are filled with evocative, vivid parables all about the kingdom of God. They were Jesus's central teaching. But this kingdom he speaks about is not a where, but a when. It's a state of the world when people acknowledge God, when God is honored and worshiped and respected. The kingdom is present right now. And throughout the Gospels, you can find Jesus' teaching on the characteristics of his kingdom people as they reflect the character of God in the world. The church was never about brick and mortar. It was always greater than that. It was always about a way of being in the world. Jesus tells, Pe- Jesus tells Peter that he is the rock of the church. So he affirms his, his disciple Peter's faith and character and says that he will be the foundation of the kingdom that communi- the, excuse me he will be the foundation of the kingdom community as it grows Jesus isn't hiring Peter a fisherman by trade to be a subcontractor to erect a building with a steeple he only notes Peter's devotion and tells him to continue the kingdom work that he's already begun he is to steward the people of God in God's church people are the building blocks Jesus feeds the 5,000. A crowd had been listening to Jesus' teaching on a remote hillside, and the nearest Chick-fil-A is still 2,000 years away. The the gathering there is a mix of the invested, the curious, and the skeptical. No sanctuary or liturgy, only Jesus speaking about God in real time, and then sharing a meal with those that were gathered on the hillside. That would be the model throughout the New Testament. Gather, eat, share, remember, live, repeat. The church grows without a building campaign. The early believers were essentially in-house churches where immediate family, extended family, and friends were already living in deep, meaningful community together. They were already living life together organically, and so they didn't need to create a destination to foster community. Jesus said that where two or three are gathered, he is present. Two or three, not 40 or 150 or 6,000, not an auditorium with a speaker, a band, and dozens of rows of chairs. This is Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus never promises that with size or organization that there would be more of his presence. He didn't leave building instructions or establish an organizational structure or provide liturgical templates. He affirmed that his people and his presence were the only necessary ingredients. They would come to the table together and he would take a seat there with them. Your kitchen table, a bar and a tap room, bench at the park, a coffee shop, he is present there. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are the temple. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes to tell the Christians 
in that city that God's presence is not above them or around them, but within them. They are the very body of Christ on earth. They are the temple of the Holy Spirit, living and breathing sanctuaries. It's, it's such a, a, a beautiful illustration that, that John Pavlovitz talks about here. And, and as a people and as a society, we, we've been so thoroughly trained to believe that numbers equal success. That be, be, bigger means better. That you can tell how healthy or how successful something is just by looking at, at viewable metrics. And, and the church world is no different. So just to give you kind of a, a peek behind the curtain into pastoral world, if you get any pastors together, one of the things that will automatically come up every single time pastors talk about are the ABCs of church. They'll talk about the attendance, how many people are coming on a Sunday morning, they'll talk about the building, how new and fancy and big is your building, and cash. How much do you have coming in and how much do you have in the bank? And oftentimes, pastors and churches are evaluated on those three things. What's the attendance? What's the building like? What's the cash flow? Now, now should we count those things? Should we pay attention to those things? Absolutely. Like, it, it, would, be, it would be foolish for us not to. It would be unwise not to. But to use those ABCs as the measure of whether a church is being successful, about whether God is at work, it's biblical and spiritual malpractice. Because God's way bigger than just that. The church is not a place. It's a people. It's a movement. God's ecclesia is a called out assembly who are living and sharing the kingdom of God with one another and with those around them. That's what God has called us to do. And, and so, what, with that being said, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us here at Livingstone's Church in 2022 on the south side of South Bend? Not, not what does this mean for any other church, not what does this mean for, for Livingstone's three years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. What is God up to right now in our midst? And what are the needs of our ecclesia, our assembly, our church, right here, right now. And so if you've been with us since the beginning of the year, you've heard me talk about this, that, that we really wanted this year to be a, a year and a time of, of praying and listening and obeying. That we, we've given the, those weekly prayer prompts uh, and just asking, using that as an opportunity for our church family to all be on one accord, to be praying a one thing all together throughout the week and have a focal point. We've been praying for God's leading and his direction what does he have for us here and now? And, and we've been listening. We've been listening to God's leading. We've been listening to our, our people, our ecclesia that, that God has assembled right here. And one of the things that we've heard over and over again as, as we've talked, as we've had conversations, as, as we've lived life with our church family, one, one of the things that we continue to hear over and over again is just how weary everybody is. Just how weary everyone is. This may not describe absolutely everyone in the room, but it's something that we've heard so much and that's, that's continued to rise to the surface so often that it would be foolish for us not to be listening, not to be paying attention to. Weariness. I, and if you think about it, like COVID changed everything from the way kids do school, the way we do work, the way that we interact, the way we go to the store, the way that we go to restaurants, the, the racial unrest that we've dealt with, the police shootings and the protests and the aftermath, our current political climate that we're in, 
battles over the Supreme Court, the sky-high gas prices that, that, we have, that we're experiencing, inflation, school shootings, mass shootings, like at, at a July 4th parade, rising interest rates, the, the high cost of food, and seemingly everything else to go with that, the war in Ukraine, a looming recession, like I could go on and on. Again, we're just inundated. We're just pounded with this on a constant basis. It seems like there's no letting up from it. I, I was talking with my, my counselor, and he was telling with me, one of, one of the biggest causes of weariness is when we attempt to control things that are out of our control. And, and, and virtually everything, and that made so much sense to me, because virtually everything that I just listed off are things that are outside our control, that we can't control any of those other things that are there. And then when we take this, this constant barrage of these traumatic events time after time, and you combine that with the incessant onslaught of media and social media that just shoves it down our throats on a daily basis, like it's no wonder that everybody just finds themselves so weary and just exhausted. Not just us adults, but our young people too. Like, let, let me tell you, like, Kyle, he's got his work cut out for him in ministering to our teenagers and our young people. The conversations I have just with my kids, like we, we homeschool our kids. Our, our, my kids are, are loved and listened to and, and protected and nurtured. They're surrounded by the things of God and they feel that same weariness and anxiety and overwhelmingness around them. I read an article this past week that Gallup put out. Gallup is, is that polling organization you've probably heard of them before. And they released uh, this article that said, the world today is unhappier and more stressed out than at any period since they began polling. The, every, every year, Gallup, they, they do a survey, and, 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 and a survey across the world. They, they ask adults in 122 different countries a series of questions, and, and they put together what they call their, their negative experience index and their positive experience index. And in 2021, the, neg the worldwide negative experience index was higher than it's ever been since they began surveying people. And the positive experience index went down for the first time in many years. And this seems to be very consistent with things that we're, that we're hearing from, from those around us, conversations that we're having with those around us. But, but Jesus had something to say that was so encouraging to each one of us. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28, Jesus says, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I, I, I love the way the message paraphrase shares it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion and life? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I, will lay, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And doesn't that sound appealing? Like, it, it, with all that, 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 our, that, that we are walking through as a church, as a society right now, doesn't that sound amazing. Je Jesus beckons us to come to him, to follow him. If we're feeling burdened and weary, and he said that he will show us, he'll demonstrate for us and give us true and real rest. And that leads me to the second 
kind of major thing that, that we've been hearing about, that we've been hearing from our, our church body, from our ecclesia that God has gathered right here. Not only has everybody felt so weary and exhausted mentally, physically, and spiritually, but one thing we've been hearing over and over is that our, our ecclesia, our church family right here, is starved for community, starved for connection. Like If, if there's one thing we've been hearing from our church family, it, it's, it's this need for genuine and real and authentic connection and community. Like We've gotten such a tremendous response from our Lunch on the Lawns that we've done. Like having our entire church family gather together, gather together and worship and eat a meal together and play together and laugh. Like that we, we've gotten such a great response from that. A couple weeks ago, there, there was a group that, uh, from our church that went camping together. And I recognize not everybody it, it are campers, but everybody that went on that trip raved about it. They, they had virtually no cell phone service for that entire weekend. And they sat. And they connected. And they engaged with one another. They, they ate, they worshipped, they laughed, they played together. Back in April, a number of our women, they did, they did a women's event, a women's night, where the women just gathered together and, and they, they did, there was a teaching and there was a craft and there was just a connection time that, that took place. We did the date night a number of months back as well. And how many people said to us, oh, we can't wait for you to do this again. This was exactly what we needed. And what we continue to hear is how much these types of, of community-building opportunities are needed. I, I intended for my next series to be a more evangelistic series, in, in a way. But as, as we've prayed about it, as, as we've talked about it, I still want to do it. I just don't believe that now is the time for that. That rather than, than us having us focus on, on our external Relationships. I believe that our focus for this season needs to be more of an internal one. Now, I, I want to be perfectly clear about what that means. I, I'm not in any way suggesting that we abandon our mission or our DNA of being an externally focused church. N not at all. That's still who we are, absolutely. But we also need to walk a line between being an externally focused church and an internally focused church. That there are, there are seasons, there are needs that, that are around us that we need to listen to and pay attention to. And, and we believe that in this season, that we need to go about trying to create environments and create opportunities for our ecclesia to grow and to connect and to engage in real, authentic community together. Like, how can we engage, how can we create community with those around us if we've not learned to practice it within our own house first? You know, what are we inviting people to be a part of if we haven't established and we haven't learned what does it mean to be an ecclesia here ourselves first? What, what are we asking people to come join us and be a part of? And this isn't about asking people to, to do more things, to, be, to have more obligations, to be a part of more things. But what we're doing is we're trying to think of how we can create environments and opportunities for people to flourish in connection with one another. We, we talked last week in Galatians chapter 6. And, and one of, one of the, the key verses that Paul shares in Galatians 6 is verse 2, where he says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That we are, we are a family. We are the body of Christ. We're walking this journey together. That, again, the church is not a building. It's a people. It's a movement. And, and we do this by being together. We carry one another's burdens 
by being connected, by being in community with one another, by sharing life with each other. And so in practical terms, like what, what does that look like then? Like how do we take the, these ideas of, of, of weariness and, and the need for connection and the need for community and plot a course forward? And we've been talking and wrestling and praying about this as a leadership team. And, and I want to share with you what we believe the Lord's heart is for us as we move forward right now. The, the first change that we're going to make is starting next Sunday, July 17th, we're going to go to move to doing only one service instead of two. And, and I'll be honest with you, this has been a difficult decision for me. I, I've wrestled with this an awful lot over the last number of weeks and, and months because I don't like how it feels. I don't like how it feels to go from two services to one because in some ways, just being transparent with you, in some ways it feels like a step backward. In some ways it feels like, all right, we've, we've, we've lost, we failed in, in a way, and I acknowledge that, and I've struggled with that thought process. But where I've landed with this, and where I want to lead our church to land with this as well, is that what does, what does our church, what does our ecclesia need right now? Not, does, not what does my pride need in this moment. What does our church need in this moment? Not what does, do my feelings need in this moment. God's no respecter of persons. The measure of a church being effective or faithful or successful is not based on the number of people that come on a Sunday morning. It's not based on the number of services that take place on a Sunday morning. God's math, God's economics... God's measuring stick are not the ones that we use. So often we, we assign different measurements than what God actually uses. And while, we, while I might not like the way this feels, I know that this is what our church needs. Our church needs to be together. Our church needs to be around one another. And, and I believe with the need of our church to connect and to be in community us going to one service is going to help provide that opportunity and that environment for this to take place, to, to help position ourselves for greater health moving forward. Because building from a place of connection and health is much better than building from a place of separation and exhaustion. And while what may feel like a temporary setback, we actually believe in the end is actually going to provide us with greater health and connection as we move forward in growth and rebuilding as an ecclesia, as a church family together. We are a different church than we used to be. We're a different church than when I started here in September, or excuse me, October of 2019. We're a different church than we were when COVID hit. We're a different church than we were five years ago, and we're definitely a different church than we were in 2006 when we transferred from being Don Moore Avenue Acapella Church of Christ to Livingstone's Church. And we need to be willing to grow and to change and to adapt to the current realities of who we are and where we are. And so here, here's, here's what this means. Starting next Sunday, July 17th, we're going to have one service that starts at 1030. This, this will provide us with greater opportunities to grow and to connect both before and after service. And I, and I would encourage you, come early. Grab a cup of coffee, grab tea, find, you know, come early and hang out. You know, stay afterward. Find people you don't know. Find people that maybe you don't recognize right away. Like, they may have been attending this church for years. And they just go to a different service than you are. That our church body needs to be 
together. And, and I ask that you take advantage of this. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Be willing to talk and to engage and to be vulnerable. Be willing to be the ecclesia that God has called us to be. Like if you remember what was mentioned in that article, it said the early church, they had, they had just a few components. Gather, eat, share, remember, live, repeat. That's what the early church did. And going to one service, it's going to help us to do that. And also going to one service, it's going to require fewer, fewer volunteers to make each Sunday service happen. Those that serve in kids and in first impressions, our safety team, our coffee team, like tomorrow you're going to receive an email that kind of outlines what this will look like in, in your area. And ultimately, this means you're going to serve less than what you're serving right now. This also ministers to part of just the exhaustion and the weariness that so many people are facing in this moment. And so if you're serving on one of those teams, make sure you check your email tomorrow. If you don't see an email, check your junk folder, and you can reach out to, to Meredith and to Jen with any questions that you have about this. And I want you to know, like, the goal is this is not a permanent solution. That, that's Ultimately, we're going to continue to monitor. We're going to continue to watch our attendance. We're going to continue to listen to the needs of our congregation. And we'll evaluate how we proceed forward in the future. But my prayer for this change is what the writer of Hebrews had to say in Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. Where the writer said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the, time, that the day of his return is drawing near. Like we need one another and I'm so thankful for you I'm so thankful for this church body but allow me to share what else this means as well that we're going to continue to look for ways to build and foster deep and a real sense of community here at Living Stones offering more opportunities to engage and to grow and to do life with one another rethinking how we do our circle community groups how they look and how they operate Rethinking how we engage with one another and with our neighborhood. This, this doesn't mean we're not going to engage with our neighbors. We absolutely are. We had an, a tremendous turnout at, at Miami Hills this past Tuesday. We actually had two kids from Miami Hills come to our Kickstart group this past Wednesday night. Like we're, we're, like we're going to continue to be the church that God has called us to be. But we're going to rethink, all right, how do we engage with our neighbors and our community around us? How, we're going to rethink, how do we walk that line between being an internally and an externally focused church? Because we need a healthy balance between the two. Even rethinking about how we use our physical space. Like, you may or may not know that the, the house that's actually right behind me here, exactly west of us, we, we own that house. And, and our current renter is moving out, and quite honestly, the house is in pretty rough shape. And so what we've decided the best option is to tear the house down. And what we're talking about and what we're praying about is what that space will look like for us. Like, obviously, our building, like, we don't have a big foyer area. We don't have a large gathering space outside of our worship center right here. A place for people to gather and for connection to take place. And so we're trying to think outside the box a bit. All right, what, what, does, what does that space look like for us? How, how can we use, utilize the space that God has given to us in a way that helps us to gather 
as a church body, but also with our neighbors, also with our, with our community around us. Our playground, it, it's in disrepair right now too. We want, we want to redo and upgrade that place and, and provide a, a safe environment for, for not just our kids, but our neighborhood kids to be able to come and to engage and to play in, a, in, a, in an environment that's safe. And how cool would it be for us to offer a space not only for our church family to be able to use, but for our community to use as well. We, we don't necessarily have all the specifics in mind, and, and obviously all of this costs money, but, but we're talking, and we're praying, and we're brainstorming, and we're asking, God, what do you have next for us? What, what does this look like for us? How do we continue to be the church that God has called us to be, an externally neighborhood-focused church, but also meet the needs that are within our own ecclesia as well. And so I, I want to I close out my time with, with this thought to you. And Jesus, he was having a conversation with his disciples. They were gathered around, and he, and he started asking them some questions. And one of the questions that he asked was, all right, well, who do people say that I am? You know, as you're talking with others, as you're uh, around other people, who do other people say that I am? And, you know, there's, oh, some people say Elijah, and, you know, so, some people say, you know, one of the prophets. And, and then he, he asked them a very specific question. He says, all right, that, that's who they say I am, but who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And, and, and Peter announces in this moment, he speaks up and, and he says, well, you're the Messiah. You're, you are the Son of God. And Jesus' response in Matthew 16, 18 he says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer. He was saying that the, the faith that Peter had in Jesus being the Son of God, that in that testimony that, that Peter just shared, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, that was going to be how Jesus was going to build his church. That, that was, that was the, the testimony, that was the, the foundation by which Jesus was going to build his church. Not a physical build building, but a people, but a movement. He said the powers of hell will not conquer. And that's such great news for us, that there, there is nothing that, that is going to stop God's church from moving forward. God's ecclesia is not a building, it's a people. And way too often, myself included in this, we look at the wrong things. We focus on the wrong, the wrong benchmarks, use the wrong measuring sticks. God's plan is much bigger than ours. And our part is to follow. Our part is to, to listen to what Jesus is doing in this moment, to trust him, to trust his plan, to know that God is not done, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we carry him wherever we go. We are the ones that share and grow and expand the kingdom of God. It's not about a church. It's not about a building. It's about God's kingdom being shown and demonstrated and manifested all around us. And so what I want to do is I want to close our service together as, by inviting us to partake in communion together as an ecclesia, as a church body, as a church family. To take, to take this moment right now, and, and I'm and I love what that article shared. Gave the pattern of what took place in the early church. To gather, to eat, 
share, to remember, to live. Repeat. That, that's, that's what God has called us as the body of Christ. That's what God has called us as the church to do. It's not about, it's not about programs. It's not about events. It's not about numbers. It's not about being entertained. It's about God's church coming together to share the good news of Jesus, to celebrate his goodness in our life, to bear one another's burdens, to be connected, to pray for, to lift one another up, to walk beside, to engage in community, to live life together. That's what the church is all about. It's not about a building. It's not about programs. It's about us taking the kingdom of God, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and sharing that with one another, sharing that with those around us. And part of that is gathering. Part of that is eating. Part of that is remembering. And that's what we're going to do here, that we're going to take communion together. And so when I pray, I, I'm, I, the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to lay out our communion elements. The band is going to come forward. And, and I just want to encourage every single one of us here, whether you consider yourself a part of Livingstone's church or not, I, I want you to feel welcome to come to the table together. As we, as we sing this last song, that we would reflect, we would remember, what is it that Jesus has really done? What is the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus in our life? That's why we're here. That's why we're gathered together. That's what God has asked us to do. So allow me to pray. Lord, thank you, God, so much for your ecclesia. Thank you, God, for your church. God, thank you so much that the church is not about, uh, it's not about a building, it's not about a location, it's not about any of, any of the things that we focus on, any of the things that, that we elevate above others. God, the church is all about you. It's about your people coming together to celebrate you, to, to honor you, to share you, to grow and to expand your kingdom, Lord. Our, our desire is not that we would build this gigantic mega church that, that has thousands of people. God, if that's what you have for us, praise God. But that's not our goal. That's not our aim. God, our aim, we want to be faithful. We want to be stewards of your people. We want to be stewards of what it is that you're doing. God, we want to be in tune with you. God, what it is that you have for us, Lord. And, and God, as we, as we are a church family together, God, I pray for those connections to take place. God, I pray for those that feel weary and burdened down and exhausted and worn out. God, that they would find rest in you. They would find rest in the community of believers, in, in, in this church body. God, that we would be able to share and, and bear one another's burdens, Lord. That we would be able to lift up and encourage one another. That, that we could be a true, genuine reflection of who you are. Not building a name for ourselves, not building our, our own egos up, Lord, but having it all be about you. God, that's my desire. That's what I want to see us. That, that's how I want our church family to, to, to gel and to operate together. It's all about you, it's not about us. So God, as, as we move forward together as a church body, Lord, I'm asking for your grace. I'm asking for your wisdom. I'm asking 
for you, for unity amongst our church family and our, and our church body. I'm asking God for you to do what only you can do. God, as we pray, as we seek after you, as we listen to you, God, that we're going to continue to look to, to, to draw near to you. We're going to follow. We're going to obey. God, thank you. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the sacrifice that even allows us right now today to be able to gather and to be your people again. Lord, we love you. Jesus. Amen.